Welcome to the Open Bible Podcast, a resource of Church of the Open Bible in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. In this episode, Pastor Jay and Pastor Joe take some time to recap and highlight some things that stood out to them in our study of Daniel over the last few months. Join us as we conclude our series of The Most High Rules. Hello, church and guests. This is Pastor Jay Hines welcoming you to another episode of the Open Bible Podcast. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Since I'll be completing my sermon series through the book of Daniel when this episode is aired in the new year, I thought it might be helpful for Pastor Joe and I to reflect on what we've learned through this study and specifically some of the big takeaways from this series. Sound good, Joe? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, so why don't we just get right at it? And maybe I'll just start with commenting on the remarkable faithfulness of young Daniel and his friends. You'll remember in chapter one, these were young men. They were probably 14, 15 years old when the Babylonian Empire under King Nebuchadnezzar had come and defeated Jerusalem and the nation of Judah. And Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, along with a number of other young Jews, they were deported to Babylon. So they were taken away from their homeland, from their family, from their friends, from their religious community, all of that, and placed into a pagan land as young teenagers. And specifically, they were put uh, into the the court of the king, and and they were uh, with a number of other young men who were basically there to be assimilated into Babylonian culture in every way so that they could serve the nation, uh, specifically serve by probably being some sort of administrators or playing some sort of um, political role, maybe back with uh, Jerusalem at some point, uh, or just maybe being advisors to the king uh, in, in affairs with, with Jerusalem, which they had now conquered. So it's an incredible situation You don't really know what to expect. Will these young men be able to withstand the huge pressure to conform to this new pagan culture? Or will they remain faithful? And the amazing thing we see starting in chapter one and then throughout the whole book is that these young men remain absolutely faithful. And the question that that really raises in my mind is how? And specifically, I want to know more about their parents. And I want to know more about their upbringing. So we know all of them, their Hebrew names, all have the Lord uh, within those names, in the meaning. That gives us a little bit of a clue that no doubt their parents were godly. But as we just see these young men throughout the book, and of course, specifically Daniel, who most of the book focuses on remaining faithful, I think those parents must have done uh, a, a wonderful job in equipping these young men to be able to stand firm in their faith, whatever circumstances they were in. It's actually interesting. I think it was shortly after preaching through chapter one, someone from the church had sent me an email and just said, you know, I'm really looking forward to heaven when I can talk to Daniel's parents and ask them, Mm. you know, what exactly did you do to equip them in that way? So that's one thing that really stuck out to me. And I found it encouraging, number one, Uh, for when I think about my own kids, some who are now young teenagers, I think about the teenagers in our church. Sometimes there's this idea that, you know what, like they're going to rebel, they're going to, to some degree, conform to the world at some point, hopefully not too bad, hopefully they come back. Um, But these 
these young men are an example that, you know what, uh, youth, young people can stand firm. And it's also just an encouragement, again, for parents that we would seek to do, even though we don't know exactly what Daniel's parents did, that we would seek to fulfill uh, what the Lord calls us to do. You think about Daniel 6, uh, where the Lord tells parents to make sure that they, uh, they teach these commandments to their kids. And then you think about in Ephesians 6, 4, no doubt that was true for his parents to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Yeah. And then on the, on the flip side of that too, I was thinking uh, it's interesting reading about Nebuchadnezzar and obviously he um, was very, very proud as we've talked about in previous podcasts and you've talked about in your sermons as well, very self-focused, very focused on the world and building his own kingdom. And then you, you think of his grandson uh, and, and all that his grandson ends up, ends up doing it, it really echoes exactly what Nebuchadnezzar did. So if we look at chapter five of Daniel, King Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, ends up doing pretty much the same thing that Nebuchadnezzar did, uh, his, his grandpa. And so I think we can assume that the influence of his grandpa, Nebuchadnezzar, and then Nebuchadnezzar's son on Belshazzar was great as well. And so just thinking about the influence of parents, not only in Daniel do I think we see an example of really good parents with Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but also potentially parents that didn't do their job as God would want them to, uh, to bring, bring up their children in the way of the Lord, as it tells us to in Deuteronomy chapter 6, for example. Um, and so I just think that that was really interesting that we see the influence that, that parents and, and mentors, but specifically parents, can have on, on children and, um, and grandkids as well. Uh, and so I think, that, I think that really shows us that we do have influence and uh, you know, how we parent and, and how we mentor and lead makes a big difference. And I hope that encourages us to bring people up in the way of the Lord. Yeah, that's a really good point. We do really see those two different polar opposite examples. Uh, in, in Daniel 5, for example, right, Belshazzar is um, being told that, hey, you, your, your grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, right, he had this humiliating experience where the Lord brought him low, and yet he then repented and recognized this is mm. the most high God. And then it says in, in verse 22, and you, his son or grandson, literally, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all of this, right? He even knew it and he didn't uh, do that. So, yeah, definitely a, a great insight there. What else? What, what would be some other takeaways that you have? Well, I think kind of connected to what you're talking about with Daniel's faithfulness through, uh, well, from being a young man all the way through to being an older man uh, later on in the book of Daniel. It just really strikes me how Daniel lived as a faithful servant of God in really a godless society. As far as godless, they had gods, they were polytheists, but, um, but not, not the one true God. And so I just thought that that was really interesting. Throughout the whole book, we really see a great example of how to live a godly life in a godless world. Uh, and what really struck me out of everything in Daniel, this example, um, is, in, is in Daniel chapter 4, and you mentioned it in your sermon, Jay, uh, just how Daniel 
legitimately cared for King Nebuchadnezzar, when he was about to bring this bad news to Nebuchadnezzar that you're going to be humiliated and it's not going to be pretty, uh, it hurt Daniel to tell him that because as a godly man, he, he legitimately cared for one who was godless. And I think that that example is just, it's, it's convicting, but it's also just very powerful uh, to think how, how do we as Christians, uh, as God-fearers, live in a largely godless society? And I just thought that example that Daniel sets of living in the world, but not of the world, not that I want to be cliche, but uh, that's really what, what he was doing, right? He was living in, in the world, but he feared God through it all and set great examples and cared for the world. He wanted what was best for Nebuchadnezzar. He wanted Nebuchadnezzar to seek and to follow the one true God. And eventually, of course, Nebuchadnezzar does, and that's amazing, that's awesome. I can't imagine how, how excited Daniel was when, when that occurred. Um, but I just think that's such a, an amazing example that Daniel sets in Daniel 4, but throughout the whole book, really. He just continues to be faithful in what God has told him to do as he continues to pray, as we can see in several chapters. Uh, and he's, he's just so faithful to what God has commanded him to do. And that's largely, as you've said, I think due to how he was raised as well. But still, his steadfastness in the Lord, he, there's no doubt that God was his, his rock and his refuge as he was living in this godless society. Yeah, we were talking earlier about how it's amazing. Throughout the whole book, there's not even one hint that Daniel in any way um, conformed to the culture or to mm -hmm. or acquiesced in any way to to it or that he uh, was unfaithful. He, he just remained steadfast throughout. Now, of course, like all all people in the Bible, they are human beings. They're, they're sin. You know, we're not told every little part of Daniel's life, but as a whole, he was above reproach. Mm -hmm. And that's such an amazing example, like you said, especially because he was in a godless society. But you also kind of hinted at this. What amazes me too is not only did he remain faithful in a godless society in general, he remained faithful and his job throughout almost all of it was serving the kings of Babylon and then uh, later also of Persia. And, and that, that's encouraging too, I think, especially for those, as, as I mentioned in some of the sermons, you know, as we're living in an increasingly godless society, this is encouraging for all of us, but I think there's a special encouragement here for those who feel called to work in politics in Canada, which, you know, is become, becoming increasingly difficult, of course, uh, as, our, as our society becomes essentially more and more pagan. And so Daniel really shows that even someone in that situation, which would seem like one of the most difficult situations to, to be faithful to the Lord in, can be. And as you said, even expressing a desire for the welfare of the leaders that he serves, even if they are godless. And so, you know, I just think that's encouraging today. I think of our own uh, member of parliament, you know, who's a believer and uh, just reminds me to be praying more and more for him and the other believers who are there, because it's a very difficult position to be in. And yet, like Daniel, they can uh, remain faithful even in those places of, of power. Another thing that really struck me, so this is the second time I've preached through the book of Daniel. It was quite a few years ago I did. And, and this time, even more so, I was amazed at the incredible accuracy 
of its prophecy. It is just remarkable. Of course, so much of it was future prophecy for Daniel, but now is ancient history for us. And we can see that it was fulfilled with exact um, accuracy. I was, I, I've just been studying recently to get ready for Daniel 11. So those of you who are listening, we're recording this a little bit early, but before the Christmas season, but uh, just in Daniel 11 alone, not even the whole book, even just one to 35, there's oh, well over a hundred specific prophecies that have all been fulfilled literally exactly in history. And that just blows me away. And again, I love how this just reinforces even more my confidence in the truthfulness, in the inspiration of scripture, in its inerrancy, in its uh, perspicuity. It is just an incredible, incredible book that has the fingerprints of God all over it because who else knows the beginning from the end? And so uh, that's, that's been encouraging. But another part of those prophecies that's been encouraging is just to again see more and more the incredible interconnectedness of Bible prophecy and how it all just weaves together seamlessly to provide this big picture of what God is doing in this world and will do in the end. And particularly as we see the connections between Daniel and Revelation, it is so startling. And, and I've said this a lot in this series. If you want to understand Revelation, you have to understand Daniel because Revelation relies on Daniel so much uh, with its timeline and, and chronology and everything, but especially with a lot of the imagery. So it, it's just exciting to see. And it, it makes me want to go even deeper and want to explore more of Bible prophecy as, as I study Daniel, because I just, it's, it's so uh, wonderful to see again, how, how these prophetic plans have been all put together by God and how they've been so much has already been fulfilled. And it's exciting to see how the rest will be fulfilled in the future. It's also, I just, I think it's so crazy as well with the Bible prophecy, you know, we, we've been preaching through it and you get to some of the later chapters and it's like, wow, like, yeah, these prophecies were so clearly fulfilled. It's like, yeah, that's Alexander the Great. No doubt about it. <laughs> and then you keep going on and on as you go later, Daniel 10, as you're saying, Daniel chapter 11. And it's almost like we've just come to expect, oh yeah, you know, that God said it and that's exactly what happened. Like, I, I'm just, I've been blown away as well just by that, that accuracy that it has. And the fact that, as you've said, you know, the Bible is completely reliable. And also it's been interesting in December, I've been reading through revelation in my, in my devotions and just some of that interconnectedness that you've mentioned with Bible prophecy is, is just so intriguing, a very, very interesting, but also really helpful. It's been really good that we've gone through Daniel as I've been reading through revelation, just because it really has helped point some things out and make things a little bit more, more clear because revelation can be a bit of a confusing book, but if you understand Daniel, it certainly does help. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another thing that I've noticed, so we talked about Daniel's earlier life and faithfulness and also how he was faithful then through service. But it's interesting as we get to the later chapters and we recognize that Daniel was an old man. So chapter six, that famous story of him in the lion's den, he would have been around 82 years old at that time. So serving for all of those years already, the kings of of Babylon. And 
And, and then chapter 10, where he gets this final vision, he's probably around 84 at that time. And, and it's just encouraging to see that, you know, he, he didn't relent. He didn't, he didn't take his foot off the gas pedal, to use an image, right? I mean, he just kept it full on. He kept going forward. He kept serving the Lord, even though he was serving different kings by the end under a different empire. He just continued in his faithfulness. And I think about chapter six, and as you already mentioned, one of the reasons he was able to remain faithful, even in the face of death there, was that he, there was this pattern that is described there in chapter six, verse 10, that he continued to pray three times a day, a pattern that would have been set in his young, uh, young years in when he was living in Jerusalem. And just, he didn't let up. And I think that's so important because sometimes if we especially have a really good uh, upbringing, godly upbringing, we remain faithful, maybe through some difficulties in our young lives. There's a lot of exciting things going on. I mean, you think about those early years for Daniel and his friends, it was amazing what the Lord had done, you know, saving Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the, from the fire, all of that. It, it can be easy then to start to coast. It can be easy to think, wow, I mean, I have had an incredible young Christian life and I'm just going to kind of coast now, right? I, you know, I, I'm going to kind of um, just continue on resting on sort of these, these past laurels, these past achievements, these past uh, uh, great acts that God has done through in my life. And you just don't see that with Daniel. He goes hard throughout to the end. And I think that's encouraging. And I hope that's, that's something that is helpful, especially for those people who are in that stage of life right now, those who are maybe listening, those in our church who are in those senior years, right? Uh, just an encouragement like Daniel, don't coast, don't give up, keep going strong. In fact, and, and I'll say this in one of the sermons, I think, but uh, I just want anyone who's listening here who is in that category, that is my main prayer for the, the, the seniors, whoever falls in that bracket in our, in our church. My prayer is that this season of your life would be the best season of your life and specifically in your walk with the Lord. And you would be continuing to grow all the way to the end. And we definitely see that with Daniel. So anything else that stood out for you? Any other big takeaways? Well, I think the biggest takeaway that there is for me from the book of Daniel would be simply how we see God's sovereignty. Uh, you know, that it's God that's on the throne, that it's God who's in control. We see it right from the beginning of the book of Daniel all the way through to the end. Uh, just a few things stuck out to me, even in Daniel chapter one, as I was, as I was looking at this a little bit earlier today. Uh, in, in, the, in Daniel chapter one, three times it says God gave. And in, in that chapter, it's talking about how Daniel and the Israelites are taken to Babylon. So you'd think, oh man, Nebuchadnezzar is in control of Israel. Uh, nope, you're wrong, because it's so clear. In verse 2, it says, the Lord gave the king of Judah into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. And then in verse 9, again, it says, God gave Daniel favor and compassion. Verse 17, once again, says, God gave. God gave Daniel and his three friends learning and skill. And it's just I, I think it's so amazing. I mean, just in that chapter, and again, it's seen all the way through. It's God who gives. It's God who's in control. It's not Nebuchadnezzar. 
And, and we just see this in, in chapter two, in chapter three, as Nebuchadnezzar is trying to build up his own kingdom and say, I want this kingdom to last forever. And God points out, there's one kingdom that lasts forever, and it's not yours. Uh, it's, it's mine. And we can see that as we go on with the prophecy, even the comparisons that are the contrast, I suppose, we can see between the Antichrist and God's kingdom. You know, you've got this little horn who's just deceiving and messing things up and is violently, you know, kicking and screaming, whatever. But then we see that, that God is the ancient of days. And just this, this comparison that God is eternal, ancient of days, this little horn rises up and has a reign, but it's, it's short. It's a reign of terror and it's extremely short. It's so far from everlasting. But we serve the God who sits on the throne, who's the ancient of days. And of course, that's really the overarching theme of the book of Daniel, that the most high God rules. He's the ancient of days. But uh, it has really, really struck me again. Just such a good reminder and timely reminder that God's on the throne, that God is sovereign. Yeah, and what amazes me in the book is it's almost like Daniel, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is trying to make clear there's no exceptions. Like God is sovereign over absolutely everything. So we see examples of how he's sovereign over the past, the present, and the future. We see that he's sovereign over individual lives of his people, but also over kings and entire kingdoms. We see that he's sovereign over Gentile nations and the nation of Israel. And we see that he's sovereign over the physical and the spiritual realm as well. He is in control. He rules over absolutely everything. And like you said, that's been a real timely reminder. And I think as people have made comments in this series, that's been the, the main comment they've made. This is just so timely. This is such a great uh, book to be going through right now. How we need to be reminded week in and week out that the most high rules. Now, just in closing, maybe, would there be any specific application of that or any specific encouragement you would want to give to, to the church, to our listeners in these times in relation to this truth of God's sovereignty? Well, I think even just tying everything together, how Daniel lived, how he was faithful, I think that ties very much so into the fact that Daniel knew God was sovereign. And so practically for us, I think it shows that we can, we can live faithful lives, faithful Christian lives in our situation that we're in right now. And we can do it because we know who's on the throne. We know who's in control. Uh, we know that God is sovereign. And so that's one of the biggest takeaways, I think, practically, is knowing that we can, in fact, live faithfully. Uh, we don't need to fear. We don't need to fear man. We don't need to fear things that are happening on, on earth as far as, you know, building up our kingdom here. Uh, no, we, we can just serve faithfully being bondservants of Christ Jesus because we know that, that he is in control. And so that's been something that I've thought about and it's really encouraged me and I hope that it encourages our listeners as well to just live faithfully knowing that that God is on the throne. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. And I would just add too that because of God's sovereignty, we can live so differently than the world and specifically in times uh, of uncertainty, times of chaos even that seems that we're living in, where there seems to be every reason to be anxious 
to be filled with fear when we know the most high rules. God has a plan for this, whether we're speaking globally, we're speaking about our nation, we're speaking about the church or our own selves, our own lives. To know that gives us a peace and, and we can walk each day um, with, with that peace and with that grounding that the world really lacks. And what a testimony that can be and, and what a joy. And I know I've found that just every week coming back again to the sovereignty of God has just given me that peace and that sense of God is in control. As you said, you know, one day at a time, living faithfully to him, able to do that. So I just want to leave us with a quote here from J.C. Ryle that I really like that has to do with God's sovereignty. And I think it's a, it's a good way to kind of wrap this up. He says, nothing whatever, whether great or small, can happen to a believer without God's ordaining and permission. There is no such thing as chance, luck, or accident in the Christian's journey through this world. All is arranged and appointed by God, and all things are working together for the believer's good. That is a perfect description of Daniel and what he experienced. And that is a description of what we experience too. And something that makes all the difference in the world to us as we walk in this world with all of its troubles, that we can know the Lord is in control. He will accomplish his will and all things will work together for the good of those who love him and are called as according to his purpose. So I think that's a good place to end. Uh, I hope these brief reflections on Daniel have been helpful to you, our listeners. And among other things, a good reminder uh, of just what we've seen in the book and the difference it should make in our lives. The next few weeks, we hope to have some guests on the podcast, so stay tuned for that. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with you now and forever. So long and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs>